chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, if you will, and just hold your spot there for a few moments. We're going to be getting there here soon in this uh, message as we finish out this uh, series we've been in now for a few weeks entitled Misalignment. It's been a good run. Uh, I have to admit, however, that this is applied to my life a little bit differently than I would have expected. Uh, this past Thursday, I was sitting uh, at the desk uh, upstairs and and uh, reached out to kind of pull closer to the desk and immediately felt my back lock up. And uh, I made my first ever trip to the chiropractor woo-hoo, on Friday. And, uh, and so um, misalignment, right? It's applying in ways that I didn't necessarily expect in my life. I don't know quite why you're laughing exactly. Um, but, uh, but this has had a little bit of application. For some of you, it's payback, right? Because I preached a series a while back called Chains of Plans. And uh, some of you were mad at me for that series because all your plans were changing left and right. So now you can just chuckle, I guess, that I had it coming. So misalignment, we're finishing out this series. Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to be here in just a few moments. But we're going to cover a few passages before we get there. But the, the whole premise has been that there are various areas of our lives where we get out of alignment, right? We've looked at three different areas already. The first was in the area of our relationships, that there are times where we get relationally misaligned. And sometimes we're, whether it's with a spouse or with a family member or a friend or a coworker or even someone else in our own church family, to where we can go through times of misalignment in those relationships. Often that re- really requires forgiveness to be able to repair that. But we have to be willing to do what it takes to be at peace with others around us. And so we looked at the whole concept of relational misalignment the first week. The second week, we looked at financial misalignment and how God owns everything. But many times we forget that. We forget that we're the managers. We think we're the owners of everything that we have. And that gets us misaligned from what God's agenda is for our finances and our resources. And last week, we looked at spiritual misalignment, how we become misaligned with God spiritually. And, and kind of on two different levels. For those of us who are Christians, we've given our lives to Christ. There are times where we embrace sin. We go down a road that God doesn't want us to go down, and we begin to embrace sin. We wander from God. We give him the stiff arm, right? And, and we, we come out of fellowship with him. Our relationship doesn't end, but we come out of fellowship with him. And as we confess our sin to him and we come back in repentance, we come back into alignment, so to speak. Nothing mystical, but we come back into alignment with the Lord. But then there's also that spiritual misalignment for those who've never given their lives to Christ. And they don't have a relationship with God to begin with. And, of course, God's call there is that they turn from sin in general and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And so we talked about that last week. Well, this morning, we're going to finish out this series with a final message entitled Missional Misalignment. Missional Misalignment. We've looked at relational. We've looked at financial, spiritual. We had to end in AL, right? So Missional Misalignment is what we're going to look at this morning. And uh, really hope you take good notes because this is extremely important for us to understand the scope of what we're looking at both individually and also for us as a church as well. Every single one of us in this building, I would be willing to say, have an overarching mission to our lives. Now, we may not have written that mission down. Probably very few of you have. Uh, we haven't, you know, crocheted it and put it, you know, hanging over our bed or something, you know. We don't have it posted on our wall. But every one of us live by an overarching missional aspect to our lives. There is something that drives us. You think about it, it, that relates to almost every area of life. It relates in the business world. You've got companies that have mission statements and they've got vision statements. You know, the Red Cross, for example, I jotted down a portion of their mission statement is to prevent and alleviate suffering in the face of emergencies. Everything they do day to day is in alignment with that mission. 
all the decisions they make, how they spend their resources is in alignment with their mission to help prevent and alleviate human suffering in the midst of emergencies. The, the mission drives their lives. In an ab- academic setting, for example, you may have you know, heard stories of someone that says, you know, I want to be the first in my family to ever graduate from college. And it's that mission that drives them. It's that mission that sends them to the library, that keeps them up reading and studying and preparing. It's that, that, that drive, that mission to be the first in their family to graduate. Or, or perhaps even to, to be uh, one who accomplishes a certain degree so they can take a certain career track in their lives. And it's that mission of their life that drives them. Athletes, right? They have the same mission uh, driving their lives as well. It's what dictates for them what they do on a day-to-day basis. I was watching TV the other night, a couple of, couple of days ago, I guess it was. Hannah and I were watching and going through the, through the station, and uh, Rocky II was on, right? And so I love Rocky movies, man. I've mentioned this before. I love me some Rocky. And uh, so Rocky II was on. And all through the years, ever since that movie came out like 138 years ago, the first one, whenever it came out, I mean, ever since then, if it's on TV, I've got to stop what I'm doing, and I've just got to watch. And so we watched. And uh, if you remember Rocky too, I'll set the stage for you, right? Because this, this, is, this is good stuff. This is cinematic brilliance, okay? Rocky, in, in all of its, you know, 109 episodes, uh, every, uh, every one of them are just really, really good. And so Rocky, we, we picked up midstream. Rocky, you know, he's uh, kind of ready to throw in the towel against Apollo Creed. He got beat the first fight, and now he's going to go in the second fight, and he's ready to just give up and, and just quit. And, uh, you know, he's just lethargic. Imagine that. Lethargic, uh, Rocky was never lethargic, right? He was always full of energy maybe and so uh, he's ready to just quit on this on this dream and uh and and he has a you know his wife has a baby remember adrian remember her she has a baby and she goes into a coma in rocky too and uh he's just ready to quit and then finally she wakes up from the from the coma and she looks at him and what does she say yeah that's what i'm talking about i heard it over here charlton that's my man he she says when and he's like what and she says when and he like dun 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 dun. You feeling it? Dun 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 dun. And man, that was just some good stuff. And the whole rest of the movie is just him training and just getting. It's his mission, right? And he goes in, and uh, you know, it's that mission that drives. He's running through the streets, and all the kids are chasing him, and he's like waving, yo, hey, yo. And it's just an awesome scene. But it's a perfect picture that it's that mission, that desire to win, that drove everything he did. And we're all the same way. For every one of us here, yourself included, you're not excluded from this. For every one of us, we have an overarching mission to our lives. Whether you've realized it, pinpointed it or not, there is a mission that drives everything you do, and it's different perhaps for different people. For some of you, it's that mission perhaps to to accomplish. And what you do, the decisions that you make, the time you spend in the office, the extra training that you receive, all those things are, 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 are in alignment with your personal mission of accomplishing certain things in your life. For others of you, it's acquiring certain things. You've had a car in mind or a house in mind that you've always wanted, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, or you've always wanted to be in this neighborhood or, or whatever it may be. And it's that mission, right? You never wrote this down, but really that's kind of what drives you. It's what you're thinking about. It's, it's why you, you, you take extra hours at work and overtime and, and, and miss certain things that go on in your family. It's because that mission drives you. For others of you, it, it's, it's to live a life of comfort. And what you're doing today is in alignment with that mission. You're, you're doing everything you can to try to be comfortable in life, to be at a place where, where you're able to, to have leisure and to enjoy life. You, or, or maybe for some, you're trying to build a name for yourself, and so you're out there working the crowd, and you're doing whatever it takes. There's an overarching mission to your life. 
And it's that overarching mission for you, whatever that mission may be. It may involve being a, the, the, the best husband or wife or the best mother or father, whatever it may be, where you fill in that blank there. It's that overarching mission that ultimately drives what you do largely on a daily basis. It, it determines kind of where your thoughts go. It determines your lifestyle. It determines the decisions you make. The whole focus and the whole direction of your life comes underneath the mission that you have embraced and adopted for your life. Now, here, here's a question that all of us, because we have a mission that is attached to our lives, that we've identified, here's what we have to give serious thought to. This is what should cause your ears to perk up in this particular message. What if, as you pursue whatever your mission is in your life, what if you're able to and ultimately accomplish that mission, but find out that it was not the right mission to begin with what if you acquire but god's mission for you wasn't to acquire whatever it is you got what if it was to accomplish but god's overarching mission for you was not necessarily to accomplish whatever it is that you got done what if it's like the guy climbing the corporate ladder and he gets to the top only to realize that the ladder was on the wrong wall to begin with we have to give serious thought to that. As we've gone through this series, we've looked at certain aspects of, of misalignment. One is that misalignment always costs us. We've kind of traced that all the way through the series. It always costs us. Second, misalignment is always a spiritual issue. It always tracks back to the Lordship of Christ. If we're not willing to forgive someone, we're relationally misaligned, we're not going to forgive. That's, that, that, that has everything to do with the Lordship of Christ in our lives because he calls us to forgive. If we're not going to treat his resources and finances as managers, whether we want to act like the owner of it all, that has everything to do with the lordship of Christ in our life. All, the whole aspect of misalignment is always a spiritual issue. And, and so as we continue finishing out the series today, let me just give you a couple things to think about specifically regarding misalignment. The first one is this, that whenever we think about the whole concept of misalignment, sometimes it is only visible in our lives whenever it's it, the problems it creates ultimately come to the surface. Sometimes misalignment is only seen through the problems that it creates. For example, if you're driving a car and the front end of your car is misaligned, it's out of alignment, you're going to begin to see a problem that's going to surface. You're going to see the, you know, one of the front wheels that's going to be worn on one side or the other as a result of misalignment. You know, the car is going to handle differently. It's going to drive differently. If it's, a, if it's your back, right, you're going to be able to see the, the effects of that misalignment uh, because misalignment is not tangible. You know, you're going to see the effects of it when the problems begin to exist and your back hurts and you can't walk straight and you can't pick up stuff. That's when it's going to be visible. Misalignment is only seen really through the problems that it creates. If our mission, for example, is to, is to acquire and to accomplish then chances are we're going to do whatever it takes to accomplish or to acquire whatever it is that we want. It's going to be long hours in the office. It's going to be sacrifices that we make. It may be kids' ball games. It may be celebrating certain events with our family. It's going to be letting certain friendships go. Because if the mission of our life is to acquire and to accomplish, then there are going to be sacrifices we make that are the wrong sacrifices. And when there begins to be strife under the roof and a distance in your relationship with your kids, and you find yourself at a place where you really don't have any authentic relationships with anyone around you because they got sacrificed at the altar of accomplishment, then as those problems surface, you're going to begin to see, my mission has been wrong. My mission is misaligned. 
If, if our desire, if our mission is to get rich, right, to live a life that's comfortable, then there's a chance somewhere along the way, if that's the overarching mission of our life, that I want to be a millionaire before I'm age 35 or whatever it might be. I want that house or that car or that neighborhood, whatever. If that's the mission of our lives, there's probably going to be a place somewhere along the way where we either, we're either going to go into debt, right, to have what we want, or we're going to ultimately sacrifice our integrity along the way. And it's those, those problems that begin to surface that really reveal that our lives in certain areas may be out of alignment. But there, there's a, a second thing to keep in mind about a danger in regards to misalignment is that misalignment in our lives always increases risk. It always increases the risk of danger or hurt or devastation. Always, relationally, financially, spiritually, whatever it may be, misalignment increases risk. Think about that car again. If your car is out of alignment, you're going to know it because a problem is going to surface. It's either going to pull to one side or the other. It's either going to pull you out of your lane towards the guardrail or towards the woods, or it's going to pull you out of your lane towards oncoming traffic, neither of which are good options. It's going to pull you, that misalignment is going to pull you out of the place where you belong towards a place of danger. And it's going to increase your risk of injury or of just absolutely totaling your vehicle and possibly causing harm to somebody else. It's that misalignment that increases your risk. And in our lives, if we are operating out of alignment missionally, meaning we have the wrong mission that drives us in our lives, if it's not acquiring stuff or getting rich or building a name for ourselves, if those are all the wrong missions and yet our mission is out of place, it's misaligned with what God desires, it's going to create risk in our lives. We're going to one day wake up and realize, you know what, I missed it. There's a reason that there's so many. It seems like consistently on the newsreel, there are more and more names of people that were stars or that were famous or that were rich or whatever that decided to take themselves out, right? They got to the top of the ladder. The ladder was on the wrong wall. They were left unfulfilled as a result of it, and they decided there is nothing more for me in this life. Misalignment always ultimately increases risk. So, so here's the million-dollar question. So what should be my life's mission? <laughs> I, I still have a million-dollar question to ask. If everything I've shared so far is true, so what's my life's mission? What should it be? Well, to find that, we have to go to the Creator who made us and the bookends. So let's just take a few moments to track through some pages in Scripture. Before we do that, let me ask you a question. I'm going to cause you to have to think about this. Right, do, do this. Take your hands. Right, you got your hands. It's a little interactive part here. It's kind of like in BBS, right? So take your hands, okay? Hold it up. Put them over your head, okay? Put them down. This is awesome. This makes a great picture. Should have brought my phone. Okay, that's your thinking cap, okay? So take your right hand, tighten it down. You got to do the sound. Good. Left hand. Ready? Ready? All right, some of you, I'm not going to name names. You need to tighten it a little bit, right? Okay, all right, your thinking cap is on, so you're going to think with me. Here, here's the question. I want you to think about this. If you could summarize the theme of the Bible, right, whether you've been in church reading the Bible for decades or this is your first time, you, you've heard about the Bible. If you could summarize the overall theme of the Bible in one word, what would that one word be? So think about that for a second. If you could summarize, and don't say book, okay, that's, that's, not, that's not the right answer, book. <laughs> that's what Rocky would say, right, book. So it's not book. Overarching theme of the Bible, summarized in one word, what would that one word be? Okay, 
I hear love. What else? God. What else? Purpose. Did I hear purpose? I don't know. One more. Truth. All right. Those are all good answers. And I won't say they're right or they're wrong. I mean, they're all good answers. But if you could summarize, we're done, John McCall. Okay, so if you could summarize. (laughs) I'm sorry, that slipped. (laughs) Why am I sweating all of a sudden? Okay, so so if you you could summarize the overarching theme of the Bible, if you could summarize it one word, here's my my thought. And I was asked this years ago in seminary, actually. Here's my answer. The answer I came up with, and I haven't changed it. I don't claim it's right or wrong. My answer is Revelation. Not the book of Revelation, but from beginning to end, God revealing himself to people. God revealing himself to people. It's God showing himself, putting himself on display. So then there's got to be a follow-up question to that. Well, then why would God reveal himself? And so I'm breaking my own rule. I'm giving myself a chance to make a second word, and that second word would be redemption. The overarching theme, I, I believe, I'm convinced, the overarching theme of the Bible is God revealing himself for the purpose of redeeming, rescuing, saving those who do not have a relationship with him. Think about Moses at the burning bush, right? In the book of Exodus, chapter 3, God comes to Moses in the, in the midst of a burning bush. Moses is totally confused and confounded by this. He walks over. There's a bush on fire, and yet it is not being consumed. And out of the bush, God calls to him. He gives to Moses his most personal name, the name Yahweh a name that focuses on relationship. And God reveals himself to Moses there for the purpose of saying, you're the man that's going to lead my people ultimately to freedom. There's a picture of redemption that's there. Moses answers God's call after some conversation and argumentation, right? And he begins to lead the people of Israel through the wilderness. During that wilderness journey, 40 years, God would reveal himself, how? By a cloud in the sky by day and a pillar of fire by night. God would reveal himself for the purpose of leading his people out of the wilderness into the promised land to a place of, can we say in a sense, redemption. As you move through scripture, you come to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah would begin to prophesy for 40 years to God's people. Look at what it says in the book of Isaiah chapter 42. It's on the overhead here. Verse 6. God then begins to extend a call to his people's life. He says, I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people. Listen, as a light to the nations. God says to his people, the people of Israel, he says, now that I have revealed myself to you, I'm placing upon your life a mission, a call. You, as my people, are now to be a light to the nations. Israel did not do that extremely well, but it was still their call to be a light to the nations. They were, begin, they were called to reveal God, to put God on display, to show him to a lost world so that he could be known and he could be the redeemer of that lost world through them. You move to Jesus at the end of the book of Matthew, at the end of his earthly life on this earth and ministry, just before Jesus ascends to the Father, he gives what's called the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. And he tells the disciples, and he tells each of us, uh, ultimately, he says to go into all the world, to share the message of the gospel, to baptize and to disciple, and, and, and to pour into the lives of those who would know him, to share the message everywhere, both in Jerusalem and, and uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus gives as a command, your mission ultimately in your life is to go and to reveal me to those around uh, and ultimately to put me on display and to tell them of how they can have a relationship with me. 
You move on to the very, towards the end of the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at what it says here in verse 9. Peter writes and says, but you, speaking to the Christian, he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim that you might reveal the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are called ultimately, the, 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 the overarching purpose that God has for us, the overarching mission that he has put us on is to put him on display, to reveal him so that others can ultimately know him. I'll summarize it this way, and it's on the overhead, that the mission of every single person and ultimately of every single church should be to deepen and to advance the kingdom of God in this world. That is our overarching mission. It's not accomplishing. It's not acquiring. It's not building a name for ourselves. It's not being a successful husband, wife, parent. It's, it's not any of those things, that, as important as those things may be. The overarching mission that drives us is to, is to deepen and to advance the kingdom of God in this world. So what is the kingdom of God? There are two nuances to this. One we're not speaking of and the other that we are. One nuance of the kingdom of God is when Christ returns and he sets up his kingdom on this earth. That's one nuance. Revelation speaks much, of about, much about that. We're not going that direction so much this morning. What we're speaking of is the other nuance when Jesus would speak of the kingdom of God. He would often refer to it as the kingdom of heaven. And the, 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 the focus would be the rule and the reign of God in this world in everyday life today. It's when he would teach us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, right? Your reign, your rule in this earth today. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You don't have a kingdom without a king. And though there have been many earthly kings that have taken their positions of power on this earth in centuries, in past centuries, there is only one rightful king. Who reigns and who rules, and his name is Jesus. And his call and his desire and his mission for our lives is that his kingdom be deepened and advanced through the lives of those who know him. That is your mission. That is my mission. In our families, in our workplaces, on our campuses, within our churches, in the places where we go, his overarching mission is for us to deepen and to advance his kingdom on this earth. Jesus told us a little bit about that in numerous parables in the New Testament. Let me just show you two in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. If you read that chapter, you'll see a number of parables that Jesus shares about the kingdom of God. There are two here in just three short verses, two different parables that he gives us some some. I guess a glimpse at what the kingdom of God, the, the, the reign and the rule of God looks like. Take a look at what this says. Let, let's, let's read together. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, right? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God, it's like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and he hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. 
You know, the, the picture there is that God's reign and God's rule is of such significance that it, it is priceless. I mean, whatever you have to do to have God's reign and God's rule in your life, whatever you need to do to expand that and to be able to share and to, to, uh, to propagate that, he says there is no price too high to see that accomplished. He goes on, verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and he sold all that he had and then he bought it. The picture there is that God's reign and God's rule is ultimately priceless. And again, whatever we need to do to pursue it, it must be the overarching mission of our lives is the advancement of his kingdom, the deepening of his kingdom. That's what we need to do. And by the way, the way a church does that is only as strong as the individual believers who comprise that church. And when we don't follow that as the mission of our lives, when our ladder is against some other wall, then we miss fulfillment. We miss the joy of seeing people's lives transformed and changed and that we had a little, little, little something to do with it. People miss seeing God put on display in your workplace if you're not living with a missional mindset, right, to advance the kingdom of God. If, if, if it never crosses your mind in your workplace, there are people who have, if you're a believer, they have a missionary on their property in their midst 40 hours a week, and yet they're missing God. They're missing God. Missing an opportunity to see him put on display through the life that he's given you following the same track that he started since the very beginning of the Old Testament all the way through the rest of the Bible, using people to do it. And the church just becomes another church. I read a book recently. All of our pastors did, actually, taught uh, by a man named Reggie McNeil. Look at this quote that comes up about the need for alignment missionally. He says, the need is not for a methodological church. Speaking of the church, he says the need is for a missional church. The appropriate response of the emerging world is a rebooting of the mission, a radical obedience to an ancient command, a loss of self rather than self-preoccupation, concern about service and sacrifice rather than concern about style. And while the church around the world tries to do things on the outside to try to make ourselves more effective and we try to, you know, increase things in sound and lighting and the preacher tell a few more jokes and, uh, you know, all these things on the outside to try to win people. Listen, the, the mission has never changed because if we're not about advancing and deepening the mission that God has started from the earliest days of Scripture, if we're, not if we're not about deepening and advancing the kingdom of God, His reign and His rule in this world demonstrated through our lives, if we're not about putting Him on display and sharing Him in love and compassion with people around us, if that's not what we're about, if we have a different mission, then our church is one step away from decline and two bigger leaps away from absolute decay all over this world. The mission has never changed. You're a part of it. I'm a part of it. God hasn't adjusted it. And if our mission in life is not to deepen and expand the kingdom of God through our lives, then we are missionally misaligned. About a week or so ago, one of our ministry assistants, Jones, came to me and she said, uh, we've, we've got a, a problem, we've got a, a sink that is not working properly in the ladies' restroom in the lobby. 
Now, those sinks, right, they, uh, they have sensors there. And so being the fix-it man that I am, right, um, went in. Jason and I actually went, and uh, we surveyed the situation. And we determined that it probably needed batteries replaced, right, because the sensor would work. So I got on my back. I slid up underneath there. I dropped the little battery pack out and uh, put, put batteries back up in there and uh, dusted my hands off, checked the sink, worked well, worked perfectly. I walked back into the office, and as I passed by where Joan is seated, I said to Joan, I said, how about if you will call my wife, call Susie, let her know I fixed something, okay? Literally, I told her this. I can't fix much of anything. And so, so she comes back about 10 minutes later. She said, Brooks, uh, it's, 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 it's still not working. It's still not working. I said, what? What? You know, so I, I go back in there. Long story short, there had been one sink that was not working and another sink that was working. I had fixed the sink that was working just fine. My wife is nodding her head saying, pray for me, please. <laughs> Needless to say, Jason took it from there. The sink was fixed, <laughs> and, uh, and all was done. You know what? That, that, that's kind of funny, right, when it's a sink. But it's sad when it's spending our lives chasing our own mission with a ladder on the wrong wall underneath the wrong sink, only to find out when it's almost too late that there was a whole different mission God created me for, called me to, and trusted me with. To deepen and to expand his name and his rule in this world, putting him on display through the lives that we live 24-7, as best that we can, so that others can know him, so that others will want him through what they see being expressed in us. You know, my desire for you as we close out this series is that you make that commitment. God, would you help me to follow your mission for my life? And for those that have never given their lives to Jesus to start with, that are chasing after something else that's going to leave you high and dry, that right where you sit today, you'll say, Lord Jesus, I need you and I need you now. And I ask you to come in and to forgive me and to take over from here all that I am. And you know what? He'll do it. And he'll change your life this day and forever let's pray god we thank you thank you that jesus embodied what mission was about he sacrificed he surrendered he gave but lord he was at the front line of seeing the amazing work that you did in this world jesus is not here physically he's still very much alive never to die again, but he sent his spirit to indwell us, to empower us, to equip us, to now be that salt and that light in this world. And your call and the mission you place in our lives, God, has never changed. In the same way you revealed yourself in the Old Testament and New Testament so that people could be redeemed and drawn to you, it's the same mission you have for us today. It's to live in a way that is attractional, to live in a way that puts you on display in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, on our campuses. And to ultimately aim for people to know you the way that we do. And God, whatever we need to decide today to get our ladder off the wrong wall and onto the right one, God, help us to do that. We don't want to wake up too late. 
And for those that have never placed their faith in Christ, give them the courage today, right where they sit, to pray the simple prayer, acknowledging Jesus as God and their need for a Savior, and inviting Him in to come in and to forgive them and to take them home. And so God bless these decisions, we pray. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together this morning as we sing a song of invitation. As God moves in your heart and your life, this is your opportunity to respond. You follow as God leads.